Welcome to the Granary Church podcast. We're happy you could join us. For more information on the Granary Church, head to granary.org.au or follow our socials at the Granary Church. So tonight we're talking further about how Jesus changes lives and so many stories, every every story is different, but the common thread is Jesus and how does he actually do that? So tonight I want to talk to you about worth and value and I just want you to think for a moment how you work out what something is worth. So if you, if you, uh, you look at this stool here and I say how much do you think it's worth – have it just discuss that amongst yourselves, how much you think that's that stool is worth here. Okay, got 20 seconds. Okay, let's hear a few. How much do you think it's worth? 30, 12, 25, 50. Does anyone actually know? They're $35, are they? You bought them. <laughs> They're $35. <laughs> You're right. You win. Okay. But why did no one say $200? Did you? Aha. Kmart ripoff version. See, see the process that you're going through, through working it out. If I say, I bought this at Nick Scarly or I bought this at Kmart, does that immediately change how much someone's going to pay for it. But you all know that. Like that's all, that process, when I asked you how much it's worth, you would have subconsciously been thinking all those things, okay? There's an interesting thing about how you, how much, how you work out how much something is worth. So Ian's got a photo of this violin, okay? Discuss amongst yourself roughly, you know, just what do you think someone would pay for that violin? Okay, call out a, call out a number... Right. Okay. You can stop discussing the violin. Call out some numbers. What do you think it's worth? Five what? Dollars? Five dollars? Cents? Twenty dollars? Twenty million? Sixty dollars? Okay, so when it comes to the violins, you're all not as familiar as violins as you are as familiar with buying stools because how many people have ever bought a stool here? How many people ever bought a violin? A couple. And I heard one person who has bought a violin give a very good answer that is the answer. So the story with this violin is this, that a man found it in a trash bin and but his wife played the violin and he thought he'd take it home for her and see if we could, they could sort of restore it. And he took it to a violin shop and they said, we'll give you $1,000 for it. And so he went home to ask his wife what she thought and then he took it to an antiques road show to see if it was worth anything and it's actually worth $50,000. And the reason it's worth $50,000 is because it's made by a violin maker called Giuseppe Pedrazzini from Cremona in Italy and which is a famous violin making town in Italy and it's worth 50000 because of, as I heard Maddie say, I heard Maddie say, it depends on who made it. That's an interesting thing, isn't it? It depends on who made it. That gives something a lot of value. So because someone over here about the stool said it depends on, you said if it's, it might be a cheap replica. So, see, it can be, if it's cheap replica, you know you won't pay as much for it, but it can kind of look like you got something of value, but it's not really that valuable. So then 
What else have we got? What's the next one? Okay, so this artwork, let me tell you about this one. There was a woman in France, she was selling her house and she got an auctioneer to appraise her belongings and the auctioneer saw this painting hanging above the woman's hot plate in the kitchen and it turned out that the painting was from the 13th century and it was the long-lost work of Florentine artist uh, Simbayou and the masterpiece is known as Christ Mocked. And it sold for $26.8 million. It was hanging above a hot plate in the kitchen. She didn't realise its value. She didn't have to do anything with it. This auctioneer just looked and said, oh, my goodness. Good thing he, he like he could have, good thing he was honest. He could have said, I'll buy it for $1,000. But he didn't. What else have we got? Oh, this ring. This woman bought this ring in the 80s for $13 and 30 years later she discovered that it was actually worth over $800,000. Someone sold it to her for $13 just in some little shop secondhand. It's an interesting. It doesn't matter whether you like it or not. It's worth a lot. And then these pair of shoes, these sneakers, they were found in an abandoned mall and they turned out to actually, they used to belong to Michael Jordan, worth $20,000. But how do you work out... Like if Michael Jordan had never worn them, they would have gone back in the bin. It's that interesting? Just a pair of old shoes. So you have all these things that are actually worth something and people didn't realise their value. And then you suddenly find that what you had was something of incredible value. When Jesus changes your life, something happens with your value that was there all along. You're like the, the masterpiece handing over the, hold, um, hanging over the hot plate. And the woman actually didn't realise what a precious treasure it was. When Mark talked about finding freedom, it's because suddenly you discover that you were of more value than you ever realised. There's something inside you that knows you're of value. Sometimes people find things and they restore things. Here's a few things that you'll see. There was this car... The car, yes, someone found that car and they thought they could restore it and they did. It took them three and a half years. But he looked at that car and he said, that's my dream car, the one on the left. And it became his dream car. That's amazing, isn't it? Not many people would look at that piece of rubbish and think I could restore that. But someone did. And then you've got this old inn that someone saw and didn't think it was worth demolishing. They thought it was worth restoring. And they turned it back into a beautiful old inn again somewhere in America. And uh, what else have we got? One more. Oh, someone was walking around their block and they found that old pair of Doc Martens. And they said it only took them an hour and bought some new laces. And they turned it into that because they, they saw the value in them. That was actually a good find when you go for a walk, wasn't it? So isn't that amazing? What happens with value, um, how things change their value and the, what, the restoration pri- what the restoration process does to you. And there's this verse in John 1, 29. It says, the next day John saw Jesus coming towards him and he said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And I want to look at this, what Jesus is doing here is seeing value and taking you on a restoration process. The interesting thing about this verse, when it says the word world comes from the base word is comiso, which from which we get the word cosmos, which means an order or an arrangement. So when Jesus says he's he's coming to take away the sin of the world, that's an interesting thing. 
is he's coming to take away all the sin, but the sin of the cosmos or the world order. So if Jesus is coming to take that away, just discuss it amongst you. What, what would it look like if he took away? Because sin, as I said last week, comes from this Greek word mean hamatia, from Greek word hamatia, which means the hero's fatal flaw, that the weakness that pulls us down, the thing that is going to destroy us. It's and in, in some translations it comes across like a power that you're in bondage to. Sometimes you're in bondage to something like um you're in bondage to things that you have to do or things you have to say or not even things that we normally would call bad. We just we just all do them. We're just in bondage of um, pacifying yourself or trying to make yourself feel happy. There's so, so many things. We're in bondage of um, being mean to each other and talking about each other and all these bondages that come into the world. And, and Jesus comes to take away the sin of the world, your sin and mine, but the whole cosmos, the whole the way the system operates. So think for a moment what the world would actually look like and what does that actually mean to take away the sin of the world what would it look like if it was gone so you can ask yourself i'm going to ask you to talk to someone about this what would it look like what does it mean to take away the sin of the world as opposed to just yours and mine and what would it look like if all the sin of the world disappeared that's a 60 second question it's fairly deep so off you go with someone really really quickly What does it mean to take away the sin of the cosmos, the world order, and what would it look like? Okay, slightly less animated conversation that time. Right, who's got an answer? (laughs) Wrong. (laughs) Suggested answers. Sorry, there is no wrong answer. Sorry, Stu. Thank you for your suggestion of $20,000. No, um, it's something we could all ponder. Uh, Any other suggestions? Would be like heaven, yes. It would be like heaven because everything would be perfect. Because it was, it's a, heaven is a whole new order of how everything operates together. Any other thoughts? Unrecognisable in our eyes, yep. Yes. It would be full of love. Everything would be love. That's right. Anything else? Yes, that's good. The sins and the repercussions of everything that's come before us. All the systems that have been set up that are corrupt, that you don't notice all the time. It's, it's like the world is enveloped in this thing. But it actually comes into the world through the hearts and minds of people. And what you see in this beautiful verse, the Lamb of God, meaning he is the sacrifice, the sacrificial lamb, the perfect lamb who comes to take away the sin of the world is means Jesus comes to do this divine restoration process of you and of me and he changes the whole world through those who will come to him and allow him to restore them. And this restoration process shows how valuable you are. The lamb of God, the perfect sinless lamb of God comes to take away the sin of the world and to restore you, just like those images we see. 
He saw the value in you to begin with. And some of us looked like that wrecked car or the old shoes. But he sees the value and the worth. And he goes through the process of restoring you. And this shows you, like, truly, two things that we've discussed that are really the answer to this. The value that you have, firstly, with that violin, is, comes from who made it. And you were made, regardless of how tattered and torn and beaten and bruised you are, you were made by the Heavenly Father. And that puts incredible value in you. And those people who saw those old things but still saw the value in them, that's this very small picture of Jesus who sees you regardless of what you've done or what's happened to you. And he comes to restore you. And when it says that he comes to take away the sin of the world, it's like he, t- he takes away the things that you have done wrong, thought wrong, and he washes them away so that they are forgotten. And so therefore the result of that, that is something that restores you, is that condemnation cannot come upon you anymore. No more condemnation. Sometimes you remember things that you've done and you suddenly feel guilty and ashamed, but you come back to Jesus and remember that was the old unrestored me. I've been restored through Jesus. He's restored my value and my worth. Some of the things you did intentionally, some of the things you did unintentionally, and the Bible reminds us that he, he, he washes those things away to be forgotten forever. The other restoration process that comes with Jesus, the Lamb of God, take, coming to take away the sin of the world, is that he restores to you what was stolen from you. And some of you will sit, be sitting here today and you'll be smiling, but in your life you've been bullied you may have been abused, you may have been rejected, you may have been treated with no dignity, with no value, you may, may, may have been um, unfairly accused of things in your life and Jesus restores those to you because the sin of the world has not only, not only have you participated in it, you have been the brunt of it. And when you come to Jesus, not only does he forgive the things that you've done wrong. He restores to you the things that were stolen from you. I think that's the most wonderful thing. He restores to you your dignity. He rest- if you've been abused, he restores you. If you've been shamed, he restores you. If you've been rejected, he restores you. He brings back to you your value and your worth. Because the sin of this world takes away your value and your worth. It makes you look like that beaten up old car or that house or those shoes. And a lot of people will walk by those things and think they are worthless, but not Jesus. He walks by and he sees the value. And not he doesn't just pay $26 million for the art piece. He gives his life for the art piece and the art piece is you. And therefore, when we come to Jesus and we discover that he takes away everything about ourselves, our self-centered natures. Truly, our, our sinful, the sin in the world comes from our self-centered natures where we all want to make ourselves the center of everything. And he comes and he takes that away and he shows us how to do this because he gives his life on the cross for us. And he dies this death that he was falsely accused. He dies from false accusations, but it's all to take your sin, your shame, your punishment. Now, as we reflect on this, I just want the band to come up because they're going to sing us a song just while we reflect on this. Because sometimes when we think about the cross, I, I think we come to the cross just thinking we should feel sad for Jesus. I want you to listen to this song and think of it 
as a little different to think of the restoration process. That when you come to Jesus and you die to yourself so that his life can fill you, that's how the restoration process began, begins. It's like the restoration process with the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world is like you come to him and you say, I surrender my whole life to you, everything. I've been controlling my life. I've been living my own way, choosing what to do. But you are the only one who can restore my dignity, my value, my worth. So I give myself to you. You imagine if those uh, the shoes or the something were animated, and they said, "I don't want to be rubbed and scrubbed like this. I, I don't want to be. I don't want to have all this work happen to me." And therefore, they would stay looking old and rubbish. When we come to Jesus, we surrender ourselves to Him, and there's something powerful about the cross. And I want you to look at this because when you when this song, when we see the cross, we see Jesus dying totally to Himself, totally to Himself. He has to give up everything. He has to be ashamed. He has to hang on a cross naked. He has to have false accusations thrown against him and with no blame on anyone. He says, Father, forgive them because they know know not what they're doing. And at that moment, something powerful happens. He defeats the power of condemnation and accusation and he dies. And on the third day, he's risen powerfully from the dead by God the Father. He cannot do it himself because he's dead. And there's something powerful that restores you through the cross. And it's more than you just feeling sad that Jesus died for you. As you listen to this song, I want you to see what is to ask yourself, what is actually the power of the cross that restores me? So listen to the song. Look at the words. Do we have the words? No, we don't have the words. Just listen to it and consider what is the power of the cross that restores you? So... We sing, lead me to the cross, rid me of myself, I belong to you. Rid me of myself, I belong to you. Lead me to the cross where your love poured out. Bring me to my knees, Lord, I lay me down. Rid me of myself, I belong to you. Lead me to the cross. So when we come to the cross, we actually give our lives to him, surrender them, and we say, you do the restoration process. You fill me with your very, very being. And this transformation starts to happen in in us. And we can only come to him when we see his incredible value and worth and we allow him to fill us with who he is. And so then it goes on to say this in um, Colossians 1, 22, An amazing thing happens when you put your faith and you surrender everything to him. And as sad as it is, it's also joyful because he loved you enough to give his life for you so that you could be restored, you could be changed. And here's how you changed. And listen to this. Yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. That's God the Father has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. As a result... He has brought you into his own presence and you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. But you must continue to believe this truth and stand firmly in it. Don't drift away from the assurance you received when you heard this good news. There's this verse here that is quite astounding. Honestly, when we listen to this verse, sometimes we just go, oh, yes, I want to read it again. You are holy holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. Is that a restoration process picture? Holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. Now, look at the person next to you and do they look holy and blameless to you? Truth. They look nice. 
but are they holy and blameless? This is a this is a very interesting thing. You stand before him holy and blameless without a single fault. That's how he sees you. This is the worth that he places on you. You stand holy and blameless without a single fault. Now, if you really knew that, if you really knew that Christ has given his life for you and you now stand in the presence of God, the Father, holy and blameless without a single fault, that all those things that you know that you where you've messed up, you now stand there looking perfect. If you actually knew that, if you knew that all your sins had been forgiven and washed away, if you really, really knew that, this incredible worth has been placed upon you now, how would it change the way you lived? If you actually understood that, that you are holy and blameless without a single fault, just think about that for a moment. How does that change you? And how does that change the way that you see other people? That you do, did not deserve this. You know, when you, you win something that you know that you did nothing to deserve and suddenly you are holy and blameless without a single fault. It's really hard for us to wrap our minds around that, what it means to stand before God as holy and blameless without a single fault. But here's what it means. Here's some of the wonderful things it means. Firstly, it means that you can come into his presence as his very own child, like a prince or a princess walking into the, the throne room of the king. And you can have a personal conversation with God the King, your heavenly Father. You can come to him and he will speak to you. What's more, he will speak to you. That's a profound thing as well. You can have this divine interaction with him because you stand holy and blameless before him without a single fault. It's a profound thing. He's restoring your worth and dignity. He's restoring to you who you were meant to be. And so then it says this, Ephesians 1. This is the Apostle Paul praying this prayer for the believers. And he says, I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope he has given to those he called his holy people who are his rich and glorious inheritance. I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honour at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Now he is far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else, not only in this world but also in the world to come. God has put all things under the authority of Christ and has made him head over all things for the benefit of the church. And the church is his body. It is made full and complete by Christ who fills all things everywhere with himself. So now we see this incredible transformation process. You looking and feeling worthless. Christ dies for you and he gives you his worth and you stand before him as holy and blameless without a single fault. But then he fills you with his power and it's the same power that raised Christ from the dead and he fills you with this power and he says, because I've made you of incredible worth, take this same love, this same forgiveness, this same value into the world everywhere you go. You hold this. Maybe it's a little bit like the fire that you saw in your hand, Mark. You hold this in your hand because of your worth. It goes more than just um, God has made me valuable so now my life is happy. It's I have made you valuable to fulfill a mission in the world that all people would know that they are valuable. All people. People that you know. People that you know who don't know how valuable they are. People you know who are living under condemnation. People you know have had their their dignity and their worth stolen from them in life. All people are called to know this incredible love of God that restores value and worth. 
And you have been charged with the responsibility of doing that. That's a profound thing. So we're going to take communion now. And as you come to take communion, take the bread and take the the juice and take it back to your your seat and humbly think of the restoration process because this bread and this juice represents the restoration process, the process that each one of us is on a journey of. Some of you are here tonight and you're broken and you're bruised and you're battered and you want that restoration process to start. Some of you are on that restoration process and you're only just starting on it. Some of you didn't know that he restores to you what's been stolen from you as well. And some of you are sitting enjoying the value that he's placed on you but didn't realise that in your hand is a precious gift that you are called to take to other people. And God has placed you somewhere where there are people who need to know their value and their worth. And once you fully know your value and worth in Christ, you'll find it very easy to give value and worth to others for your kindness, your forgiveness, your compassion, your mercy, your generosity and your love. So when you come to take the bread and take the cup, they symbolise his kindness and his generosity towards you. And take them humbly tonight because they represent the fact that someone saw the incredible value and worth in you and said, if you come to me, I'll restore you. So as you come and take the bread and take the cup, I think we don't need music at the moment. I think we'll just do it all silently so that we can all do that. Come and take it and just sit there quietly for a moment and hear what God might be saying to you and then I'll come back and and wrap up. As you take the bread... I just want you to close your eyes for a moment and think firstly of this. Are there things that you have done that you just wish you'd never done them? Think about those things and and picture yourself bringing them to the foot of the cross and seeing Jesus dying for them and washing them away. And it might be too much for you to understand that, but ask the Holy Spirit to enable you to believe that. Are there people that you need to forgive, ask yourself in your heart, are there people that I really have a bad attitude to still? I've tried to get over it, but I can't. And ask God to give you the ability to show them kindness and forgiveness and consider Jesus on the cross who says, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they do. And ask him to show you what that really means, that they don't know what they do because you think they looked like they knew what they were doing. But if they understood this world order that they're feeding into, they wouldn't have done it just like you wouldn't have done the thing you thought of and bring it to the cross. But then also the things that have been stolen from you. Perhaps you've been abused or bullied or neglected or rejected or misunderstood. And bring those to him tonight as well and ask him to restore to you what was stolen from you. And as you take the bread now, thank God from the depth of your being that he saw the value and worth in you and give yourself to him and ask him to continue the restoration process in your life. Take the bread. As we take the cup tonight, consider the power in the blood of Jesus that overcomes all sin and darkness, and that power is now invested in you. And if you've never asked for the Holy Spirit to fill you, this is your moment to say, Holy Spirit, fill me with power and with life. And if you have asked that, ask again, fill me afresh, Lord, with your power in your life. Let me be someone who operates in your power, who hears your voice, who does what you ask, who brings blessing into this world. So now take the cup 
And finally, as people who have had this incredible power invested in us, this same power that raised Christ from the dead, invested in you and in me, the last thing I'd like us to do is start to be more outward focused because we can think of ourselves. But, you know, there are people who don't know how much God loves them. There are people who have um, seen the church and seen ugly sides of the church and thought that was Jesus, and it's not. And here we all are tonight, and I'd like us to get now. This is a bit hard for some of you because you might never have prayed out loud. So if you've never prayed out loud and you don't want to pray out loud, you don't have to. You might like just to sit with a couple of people, but I'm asking you to get in like little groups of maybe three or four people and look around. If someone's by themselves, invite them in. If you'd like just to sit by yourself and pray, please feel very free to do that. But I think God loves it when the church gathers together and starts to intercede on behalf of others. And we have Easter coming up and it's our desire that everyone on the planet would know that there is a Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world and he makes a whole new kingdom. And we've now entered into the kingdom. We want to operate like the kingdom. We want to bring people into that kingdom so that people can have their value and their worth restored in Jesus and bring his power into the world. It's an ongoing process. You start off broken, he brings you, he transforms you, he fills you, and then you take it on to someone else. So let's take a few minutes just in little groups just to pray. You can pray generally, or you can pray specifically for someone you know, but just pray that we would be a group of people who would take this incredible love of God into the world. And as Easter comes up, that we would see more and more people understand that there is a God who loves us, who gave his life for us. We do not want his sacrifice to be a waste. You want to do everything that... He, we can to honour him with our lives. So find a little group to pray. Look around. If there's someone near you who's by themselves, invite them in. If you don't want to be invited in, just say, I'm okay, thanks very much. And in a couple of minutes, we'll close. Thank you for listening to our Sunday podcast. If you enjoyed it, either subscribe or follow on the podcast app that you use to keep up to date on when our next Sunday podcast gets released. Have a safe and blessed week. Thank you.